Hi there, my name's Drew Lane and welcome to this special edition of From Inspiration to Stage where we are going to be putting the spotlight on some of Australia's up-and-coming new musical theatre composers. I wanted to create this part of the podcast so that we can promote the amazing work that Australian composers are doing. Our first guest today is the wonderful Jai Bryant. G'day Jai, how's it going? Hey Drew, Uh, thanks for having me on. So, tell us a little bit about you. Who is Jai Bryant? Yeah, well, I'm a Western Sydney-based musical theatre composer, lyricist, um, and recently author. Congratulations. I've been writing musicals since I was about 16. Yep. Uh, And since then, I've had roughly about eight of them produced here and overseas. That's great. What got you started in writing musicals? I mean, what was it about musicals that caught your creative attention, so to speak? Yeah, so I joined community theatre when I was about 14, mm-hmm. although I couldn't sing or dance or act. <laughs> um, my piano playing abilities were useful. Yeah. Um, so being behind the piano and playing musical theatre scores, I realised fairly quickly on that it was something I wanted to do. Um, and so then I started to be mentored by some of the older theatre members. Oh, cool. Um, and eventually collaborated on a pantomime called Sleeping Beautifully, and uh, it worked really well, surprisingly. Um, and you know, it had a cast of about 40, a five-piece rock band, mm. and uh, it worked quite well. Um, I guess it's useful in those sort of situations to be able to then um, write something, give it to a cast, um, hear what they do with it, see if it works, see if it doesn't work, shop it a little, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, obviously then put it in front of an audience. And an audience will like it or not like it, and they will tell you. Yes, they certainly will. What was your first musical ever about? And looking back on it, what do you think of it now? Yeah, my first musical was uh, called My Final Curtain Call, which I started writing in 2001. Uh, when I was still in high school. <laughs> I'm with you with that one. Um, it was about theatre companies being shut down in Nazi Germany. Oh, wow. Dark, I know. <laughs> um, it had one decent song in it, the theme song, uh, but it definitely provided an opportunity to explore the writing process, um, and then that's what led me to writing then uh, the four pantomimes. Cool. Well, this is probably a great opportunity to listen to that early song. So here is my final curtain call. Final curtain call 
is at my feet. The lights are blinding me so I can't see center stage. I take the floor. This time there's no encore. The music and the lights have disappeared. Invisible roses drink my tears. The emotion in my mind, the smiling applause fades away with time. The curtains drawn, the lights are down. Memories can't help me now. It's my final curtain call. With roses at my feet, the lights are blinding me. So I can't see center stage I take the floor This time there's no encore The set is down, the curtain's shut The props are packed and in the truck The orchestra has played their part I wish this thing had never stopped I shut the door and cut the light I wish it was still opening up Take the floor, this time there's no encore. It's my final curtain call. With the roses at my feet, the lights are blinding me. So I can't see center stage, I take the floor. That was my final curtain call from the musical of the same name, my final curtain call, and it was recorded by Elazar Arans in 2003. Over the years that you've been writing, you've no doubt learned a few lessons along the way. What was the hardest lesson for you to learn about writing a show? So yeah, probably the hardest lessons uh, I've learned would be around collaboration, mm. around picking the right people to work with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I've learned that not everyone is dedicated to the projects that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, and my advice would be, if you find yourself in that situation, to run. <laughs> run very fast um, and find people that are passionate about it because that, that is one thing. If you're going to invest mm. weeks, months, years even on a show, um, if the other person or the other people are not on board, then it's definitely something um, that you may want to have a bit of a think about because... It's a huge investment and you've then got that link to those collaborators probably for the rest of your life, yeah. um, as long as that project is around. Absolutely. Good advice there, Jai. You're quite a prolific writer. I mean, I always see that you're working on several shows at the same time. What inspires you to write? Yeah, um, I'm definitely into captivating untold stories that people have not really heard of. Yep. Uh, particularly if those stories have social justice messages. That's uh, definitely one thing I find inspiring. Um, and I, I love to write about that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, I, I sort of love using the theatre as a political space where we can get audiences to think and explore, maybe even build some empathy around some social injustices. 
Um, I found humor is always a fairly useful tool to avoid seeming preachy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, most days I'm not inspired to write at all, um, although I do. Um, I always think that's an interesting thing that um, most days we're probably not going to be inspired to do the thing that we love to do. Mm -hmm. And so, but I do find we need to build good habits and be at our instrument often um, constantly at our, our projects. That, I think, is the most important thing. Even if we're not feeling particularly inspired, inspiration, I've found, comes and goes um, in waves. Sometimes it sticks around for a long time. Other times it um, briefly appears, and we just need to grab it while it's there is sort of what I've found. That's great advice too, Jay. You've also written pantomimes for children. So what would you say is the difference between writing for a children's audience as opposed to an adult one? Yeah, well, pantomimes, I think, are slightly different to ordinary musicals, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. Um, I find more show, less tell. Mm. Uh, kids seem to appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> yes, keep they the do. storytelling visual where possible is, is fairly useful. Yep. Um, I think it's also important to be aware of the duration. So the duration of the scenes, don't have scenes that are too long. Mm. Uh, same thing with acts as well. Don't keep the acts too long. Um, keep that in mind. Uh, involve the audience as well, I think, is useful. If Even if you can bring the action into the audience, um, kids and family seem to really enjoy that. I hate it, but they seem to love it. <laughs> Humor-wise, I think it's it's useful uh, to just throw in some humour that adults might enjoy as well. Things that are just going to go over the kids' heads, but parents seem to enjoy that. They're there as well. Why not throw it in their direction? Yeah, it's something that uh, groups like Disney do very well. Well, let's have a little listen to a track from The Velveteen Rabbit. This is called When We Win the War, and it's performed by Carl Olsen and Hugh Munro live in concert. Well, he mustn't have that one. You see, in a toy it's a deceiver, it's a massive scarlet fever, and the only way I know is to incinerate it all. Nana him, I please, riddled with disease. If you do this, you can end the war. What war? Well, the war against disease. Burn, 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 burn the sheets and burn the pillowcases. Burn, 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 till we know the germs are gone. And then we burn, 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 to the point of no return. Yes, and that's the way we know the germs are gone. When the war is won and the germs are overrun, we'll no longer be fearful anymore. That's what happens when we win the war.
Okay, welcome back. And we're talking with Australian musical theatre composer Jai Bryant. Okay, what would be the three highlights of your career so far? Hmm, well, in terms of highlights, uh, I, I think uh, my show, The Things I Can Never Tell Stephen, being performed so regularly, that, that has uh, definitely been a highlight so far. Absolutely. Uh, it's now coming up to its seventh wow. season in the UK. Um, Belfast and Birmingham are the next two. Fantastic. Um, another one probably would be releasing my book last year, mm-hmm. uh, Writing and Staging a New Musical, uh, which is available on Amazon.com. Make sure you check it out. That's probably something I, I see as a highlight. Um, seeing that it's it's selling so regularly, which which sort of surprises me. That's great, though. Um, another highlight, fairly random one, is having three of my shows performing on the same night in two different Australian states. Um, that's definitely been, uh, yeah, a fairly big deal for me. So, so tell us about your latest musical. So at the moment, I've got a few projects going, mm-hmm. uh, which is not not strange for me. I always have a few. Um, First one is In God We Crust, which is uh, about it's a gospel musical uh, about a Christian woman who discovers the face of Jesus burnt into her toast, and she skyrockets very briefly to fame. <laughs> um, so that's been an international collaboration. Uh, the book and the script are written by uh, the US-based playwright Colby Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and in June, we will be uh, holding an orchestra workshop for that just to see if all my harmonies and all my band parts work so that'll be fun um another one is true blue which is a new australian colonial musical yeah uh, that's still in some early stages but uh, that's a collaboration between me and a uh, sydney-based playwright maxine apple cohen mm-hmm. uh, the story is actually based on a convict ancestor of mine billy blue oh, wow who was uh, born to african-american slave parents in new york Ooh. Um, although he lived a number of years in London, uh, he eventually was arrested in London for stealing sugar, sent to New South Wales, uh, and then went on to become a landowner um, owning Blues Point in North Sydney, uh, which is fairly uh, iconic, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so he is known for being Australia's first ferryman before the Harbour Bridge existed. He he was the Harbour Bridge, so we're exploring <laughs> that, which has been fairly fascinating to just look through sort of the history of that. Yeah, I bet. Uh, the last one, which is heading into workshop stages, is um, a musical I've called Captain Moonlight. Oh, I've seen this one. Uh, which is a, a amazing story about an Irish-born Australian bush ranger who led a, a bunch of young misfits <laughs> to stage a siege uh, near Gundagai in 1879 and where his male lover, James Nesbitt, and fellow outlaw was actually shot and killed uh, and died in his arms. Captain Moonlight was then uh, sent to Darlinghurst Jail uh, where he was sentenced to death by hanging. Mm. Um, but he wore a ring made of James Nesbitt's hair as he mm. was put to death, which I think is quite... Amazing for that time in history. Historians um, actually moved his body in 1995 to be buried beside James Nesbitt, which was his dying wish, interestingly. So fascinating, fascinating story. So they're some of the projects I'm working on currently. It's always interesting to hear the different stories that uh, composers come up with and where they get their inspiration from. What piece of advice would you give to musical composers who are just starting out? Yeah, so some advice I think might be useful would be just to write often, write as often as you can, daily if possible. Yeah, agreed. Um, 
write and write and write. Not everything we write is going to be good. Most of it is probably going to be rubbish. So <laughs> it's good to just write lots and then just pick out the best bits, yeah. hold on to those and develop those bits. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing would be always be open to feedback and criticism. Mm. Uh, that's the only way that we can learn and grow uh, is to be open to that stuff and be okay with criticism. It's not, you know, it's not all bad. Absolutely. That's very, very good advice. All right, seeing you're our first guest on this special edition of From Inspiration to Stage, let's do a 60-second speed round. All right, you ready? Here we go. The first musical you saw. Jesus Christ Superstar. The first musical you performed in. Pirates of Penzance. A musical you think is underrated. The Drowsy Chaperone. A musical you love. Definitely Assassins. A music you could listen on repeat. One I could listen to on repeat would be Company. A musical that is your guilty pleasure. My guilty pleasure would be Grease 2. A musical that you want to see but haven't seen yet. Come From Away. The musical you've written that you think is your best. My best musical so far would have to be The Things I Could Never Tell Stephen. What are the instruments that you play? Uh, I play piano guitar and a little bit of drums. And what is your favourite musical style to write in? Definitely jazz. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks very much for that, Jai. Well, we've got time for one more song. So let's have a listen to this next track. It is from the aforementioned The Things I Could Never Tell Stephen. And it's called Now The Bitch Is His Wife and is performed by Brooke Davidson. The moment I met her, I hated her guts. She waltzed into his life It was Stephen do this And Stephen do that Now God help me The bitch is his wife I could see it coming From a mile away She was high maintenance Right from the start But Stephen give in And bitch face put out Sure enough He married the tart crying at the altar I assure you they were not tears of joy I was mourning my dream I just wanted to scream someone stop her she's stealing my boy ever since then I have been silent I am forever holding my peace for no matter how quiet I will not deny it I'm just waiting till that bitch is deceased Dramatic. Some might blame it on the change of life. With or without menopause, the tramp still has floors, and you betcha the bitch is his wife. When we are both out with Stephen, she gives me looks that could cut like a knife. She's a slut, she's a whore, she's my daughter-in-law. Oh, God help me, the bitches. Of course, I shrieked when he told me. Ah! He said, Mom, I want to make her my wife. Had I no self-control, that slutty gold-digging mole would be limping for the rest of her life. No, I'm not being overprotective. And no apron strings don't need to be cut. She may call me a witch, but his wife is a bitch. And furthermore, that bitch is a slut. Reacting. But I tell you that Stephen's in strife. With or without any force, there will be a divorce. Then the bitch will be his ex wife. <laughs> Jai, thanks for joining us on this special edition of From Inspiration to Stage. Thanks for the opportunity, Drew. It's great. How can we find out more about you and your works? Yeah, my work you can find uh, on my website, www.jibryant.com. 
uh, or you can find me on social media, Jai Bryant Productions. If you would like to be featured on a special spotlight edition of From Inspiration to Stage, please get in touch with me at fromInspirationToStage at gmail.com. That's fromInspirationToStage at gmail.com. Introduce yourself, tell me a little bit about yourself, and even throw in a couple of songs so I can have a listen to what you've been doing. My name's Drew Lane, and thank you for joining us on special edition of From Inspiration to Stage.